It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. This is your extra show for the week and my name is Cami Bell and I am your host as always. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week and if I can make it slightly better then I'm going to introduce you to my very special guest this week and that's Mr Ross Hutton. Ross, thank you very much for coming on this week. Um, It's been an interesting week, a productive week, a challenging week but most importantly uh, I get a chance to be able to talk to you about it my friend. Thank you for being here. And it's always a pleasure, Cami. Thank you. Listen, you and I have, have done these extra shows throughout this season, even and some of them have been deeply challenging and not very fun to do. If you think back to the one that we we done after Limazol, for exactly what a different place we're in now. And when you asked me to come on, I was thinking about that in particular, considering what we were saying on that show and the emotions we had. It's a complete 180. So it's a real, real pleasure to come back on, mate. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Um, Rangers were back in action on Tuesday night at Ibrox against Aberdeen. Um, following Ross, what I think could be said was a, a fairly healthy weekend, uh, considering our uh, race for the title. Uh, obviously, Celtic dropped points. We then went into to our game against Livy, um, a, a solid performance against them. Um, and then we moved on to Tuesday night. Um, Ross, in the, I think the thing is, though, that we'd spoken a lot um both on our free shows and also on our Patreon site, about how important being able to get back to Ibrox was. But we did have one eye on this game. Um, Aberdeen were not in a great run of form. Uh, they're in their current league position for a reason. Um, but we still knew that they would look to be able to try and do whatever they possibly could to raise their game against this. The arrival of Neil Warnock uh, announced, I think, late on Monday afternoon, early Monday evening, I think. Um signalled that there was a change in the guard, but he had spent little to no time with the team. Um, Somewhat ironically, Ross, it didn't really need uh, a load of investment from their new manager to be able to try and show some renewed purpose uh, against an Aberdeen team that were going to come and, um, well, listen, let's face it, it is their cup final. It's funny how that happens. Um, and I know you said that we had a particularly healthy weekend uh, celebrating those results. I'm not sure much of the way I celebrated that was NHS approved. But um, anyway, yeah, and after Saturday, after the game against Livingston, which you don't want to say is a gimme because we don't have the right to call any game a gimme, I don't think. But um, after we're through that, it's one of those games that you do think, fantastic, we've got a real chance to go and pile on some more pressure against Celtic. It was all eyes on the game on Tuesday. and. Everybody going into it was saying the same thing and uh, speaking to mates, speaking to, speaking to yourself, people, podders, the rest of it. Everybody was talking about how up for it they were on Tuesday and you kept hearing the, the words European style night being branded about. I felt definitely it was the most up for a non-Old Firm League game I'd been in years because everybody understood the magnitude of it. It's not. Um, it wasn't the end of a journey 
on Tuesday night, but it was the start of one where there's milestones and there's massive games that you play if you want to go on and win a title. And considering that Celtic in their minds had that title wrapped up in October when we were dead and buried, and as I say, you'll go back to that um, extra you and I done after the Limassol game. You and I were talking in such terms, I don't think that's unfair to say. We were out of it, we were gone. It was a, a non-discussion. To go from that point where a title was fanciful, to put it nicely, to a point where we could hit a major milestone in our recovery by drawing level on points with Celtic on Tuesday night. It was huge, absolutely massive. And had that result not gone our way, let's not beat about the bush, there would have been hell to pay because it would have been another major opportunity missed to go and turn that screw. Now, I think everybody is pretty much convinced at this point that neither side who wins a title, whether it be Rangers or whether it be Celtic, is a vintage side. Right, we've saw a couple of times over the last couple of seasons where there's a fantastic side that goes and blows the other out of the water. You think of our 55 season where we were just the dominant force in Scotland and exceptional for a year. I think of Celtic going and winning a treble last season where we never really laid a glove on them. You do get that from time to time. You do have a very good side who will go and run away with it. That's not the case this year at all. Both sides are fallible, both sides have their foibles, both sides um, definitely don't have their, their troubles to seek in certain areas of the park. So if you can't go and blow the other one out of the water, what do you need to be? You need to be two things. And it's the two things that Philippe Clement has brought to Rangers in spades. You need to be consistent and you need to be um, relentless. And that's exactly what we have, consistently relentless with them. We've had bumps along that road, of course. We're always going to, we're going to have more in the future. But it's the way we react to those bumps in the road as well. There's no dwelling on them in the way that we've, we've witnessed from members of this Rangers side in the past. It's getting up and going again. And that relentlessness carried us into Tuesday night where it was an absolutely massive game. Imperative that we get that result and, as I say, turn that screw further on Celtic. I know we'll talk about the way that we, we did that and in the manner that we did that, which made it even more satisfying towards the end. But, Cammy, you and I were, were, were both there. Anyone else who was in the stadium, even people who are watching at home or abroad, you could feel the energy coming from Mybrooks at the end of the pitch. Every single person in that stadium knew how big that result was. And as I say, nobody's saying that's, that's job done because it's not nowhere even close to it. But it's a major, major box ticked in our journey to go and try and win this title. It was a huge game. Yeah, and I think he made a couple of statements with that, Ross. First of all, when you saw the, the lineup at first, I thought, because I've been a big advocate of this idea of us being able to try and rotate. And I don't mean that from, uh, you know, anything close to being in terms of sarcastic, because we know that we've not had our injury issues to seek. It's been pretty rampant throughout, I think, really the course of this season. Um, but, it, you know, the simple fact is we cannot play the same constant. 12 to 13 players. It's just not going to work like that. We we strengthened, obviously, in the January window. Um, and we've all come on to those players in, 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 in short order. But what was really important, I think, for me was the starting lineup. it was quite clear against Livingston, also had Aberdeen in mind. So, uh, you know, Dessers came in on Tuesday night. Yilmaz uh, came back in as well to start as well. A an attacking lineup, which I think signalled our intent to be able to go forward for it. And if there was any doubt to that, there was a second point, which I think the manager made, which was a really high tempo right from the off. Um, a, a, a really strong start, been able to play the ball well, been able to try and play the ball at pace, which is something that Clement has certainly you know implemented uh, to our players and been able to try and create opportunities. And we opened the scoring, um, you know, seven or eight minutes on the clock, Ross, with a, a great cut inside from Ross McCausland. And there's going to be some players, right, who who I don't think had their greatest games. Um, I think it's fair, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, to, to give McCausland some, some constructive criticism. Because given the fact that he's established himself within the first team, he doesn't have that protection any longer of being one of the newer lads and been able to try and come in. Because at the same point, I am not looking for a huge superstar out of him within the next 20 minutes. I think that's completely unfair. But because we've been so starved of, of youth development and really been able to see players coming through as consistently as we should, right? So I know people will talk about, you know, guys like Nathan Patterson, etc. Guys of my generation will remember Barry Ferguson coming through and breaking through into the ranks. Doesn't happen all that often, but 
McCausland opened up the score. A, a great bog as he cuts through inside. Um, Roos, who I actually think is a really good goalkeeper, by the way. There's not a lot of power in McCausland's shot, but there's enough to force the save. And there's Matondo um, being able to try and sweep up. Hits it uh, past Roos nicely. Ibrox absolutely burst into life at that point. Now, I despise this cliche of there's always a, a good <laughs> score. But what I would say to you is I thought that that created a great atmosphere from the start and that was really the icing on top of the cake to be able to take the lead so early. We'll obviously talk about what happens in the game in just a moment. Um, but for me, that that almost put an extra layer onto the energy that you could feel between um, the, the, the team and the fans as well. And again, another thing that was commented on a lot in the build-up to the game was to match the, the fervour of that atmosphere. If we scored early, the roof would come off the place, and that's essentially what happened. But a couple of things that you mentioned, first of all, being the, the initial lineup, I, I really liked the inclusion of Tom Lawrence from the start. I think he acquitted himself really well when he came on at the weekend against Livingston. And you know from this Aberdeen side that as poor a season as they're having, um, they're not good bad players. They, they do have a good squad and they're just managed by an absolute ditty for the majority of the season, thankfully, because it's been really funny to watch. But you do know you can get space in between those lines and obviously to be able to do that, you need players who have the attacking nous and the ability to play balls that will enable you to attack those spaces. Tom Lawrence is one of our most valuable assets in being able to do that. And again, I thought he'd done really, really well against Aberdeen. You also mentioned Ross McCausland there, and listen, I understand the minute I, I open my mouth to talk about Ross McCausland, people say, listen, you're predisposed to defend him anyway. I get that, and you're right, I am. I'm not exactly neutral on this debate. But what I would say in, in his defence is, first of all, and again, I'm sounding like a broken record, the last person who would have expected Ross McCausland to play this volume of games this season is Ross McCausland, right? And I don't think any of us expected it either. The second thing I would say is, I think people are being a wee bit harsh in particular in relation to, to his stats and his statistics. I think the output he's providing is good, but I think some people are possibly expecting him to provide senior player level of stats from a young player who's barely, barely played any prior first-team games before. Also doing that in a forward line that we, we all agreed was a bit of a joke when he came into it, especially if you think back to, again, going that time way at Limassol, then St Mirren right afterwards, the forward line was an absolute mess, right? Some might say it still is, but it's improving. But at that time, an absolute riot. So he's not going to come in and be that quick fix. He's not a silver bullet, but what he is, he's a young player making his way in the game. And I think having a very good first season to show for that. Ideally, what you would want is another player who can come on on that right-hand side and possibly give him a bit of a breather from time to time because it's the natural ebb and flow of a young player's progression that they will come in as an unknown quantity and hit a peak and be the star boy and get all the praise in the world. But there's a drop-off, especially if you're playing this amount of games. So ideally, you would have wanted someone to come in there and, and give him a bit of a breather. Maybe that can happen. Maybe Scott Wright will step up. Maybe Cortez can go out on the right, perhaps. Matondo can go out on the right and give him a little bit of space just to kind of breathe as well. Because we're asking an awful lot of him. But it does very well for this goal. But the main man for the goal, of course, is Ravi Matondo, who's excellent in the middle of the park and really sharp on his feet and winning the ball back. McCausland does incredibly well to cut inside and get the shot off. Not his best shot by any manner of means. And as much as I do agree with you in the main, I think Bruce is a good goalkeeper. I've saw a lot of criticism of him lately for things like this. He's just not been as assured with his shot stopping. But if you test him, you get those kinds of rewards. And again, Ravi Matondo really quick off the mark to go and slam it home. Possibly not as easy a finish as I maybe thought in real time. And I had a really good view of it where I was sitting in the press gallery. But when you actually watch it back, if he just slams that straight forward into this, he probably saves it, to be honest. So to get the power and get the elevation on it, to take it right up into the kind of top of the net, fantastic. And I don't want to say it settled nerves per se, because I didn't really get that impression before the goal. But it absolutely did take the roof off the place. And when you want the... The tempo on the pitch to match the energy coming off the stand, you can't ask for a better start than that. Because you're right, there is no bad time to score a goal, but to really set the tone and the tempo of the game, absolutely imperative that we got off of the off to the start that we did. And I actually thought for the first 20, 25 minutes we were brilliant. A drop off after that that we'll talk about in a wee minute. But the intensity that we started with was very, very impressive. And a new thing that Clement has brought to this side, because how often have we spoken about slow starts before, Kenny? Yeah, the McCausland one, I think, is, is interesting because, again, 
I don't know what the right answer to this Ross is, right? I really genuinely don't because I've always been a big advocate of us being able to try and develop youth, develop them gradually. I don't like this idea of being able to chuck them in at the deep end. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But there's also a, a, a polar opposite argument to say, yeah, but it garners experience, it gets them into it, gets them into the rhythm of it, you know, the first team games, the pressure in it, etc. So I understand all. And I'm not suggesting for a single minute, by the way, that Ross McCausland doesn't, um, he, he doesn't deserve his place. I think he does deserve his place, but I think he should be rotated on Saturday, for example. We'll obviously talk about the air game um, towards the tail end of the show as we preview it. But it, it's not because I want him dropped out of the team, it's because I want him given a breather. Because I think that, you know, there was times on Tuesday night where he was given the ball, uh, high balls been able to be pinged across to him, clearly something that we're looking to be able to try and exploit. And his first touches were excellent. There was maybe a question around his, his, his final ball, his decision-making after that, that's fine. But again, he's been playing a lot of football. You've alluded to it there, he's playing a lot of football that he wasn't expecting to play uh, for the first time. And again, Cammy, what I would would say in his defence is if you can show me a member of that forward line doesn't have a question mark against their decision-making. I would love to be able to rotate him as well. I'd love to be able to kind of bring him into the side when he can have impact and create a high volume of output and then take him out when he needs a rest. But again, we've got nobody there that we can really hang our hat on. Is Scott Wright providing that level of consistent output? No, not not for me, he isn't. Can you hang your hat on him to do so? Again, not for me. So if you're kind of creating a scenario almost where the answer to every question is Ross McCausland, despite, the, as I say, the, the inevitable um, defi- deficiencies almost of being a young player coming through, and I mean that in the most positive way, you're not the finished article. You shouldn't be expecting finished article level performances. He's a rough diamond, Ross McCausland, but stick with him because he's got all the raw attributes to be a really, really successful, good player for Rangers, which I think he's shown already, and he's learning quickly as well. You think away to Betis where he, he got a, a lot of rightful criticism for um, his, his defensive side of the game or his lack of defensive side of the game, to be more accurate. I thought his tracking back's been excellent recently. He's used that as a real learning curve. So, as I say, just stick with him. I think it's, it's healthier for all of us if we create a an atmosphere around Ross McCausen where we're not expecting Phil Foden, Mark Tour. Yeah, or I think... Like I think yeah, the point, the point I think there as well is the fact that You've hit the nail on the head. If he's going to receive criticism like the other first-team players, it's actually a compliment because he was given protection, I think, when he came into the team, rightly so, because he's obviously coming into the first team from the development teams. And and that's fine because that's his his linear journey and that's exactly what should happen. And I think that that's why he's now, for me, established within the first team. And then he, he he faces up to the same kind of questions and stuff because we know what he's capable of. So yeah, it'll be it will be interesting to see what happens if the manager decides to to give him that breather that we're talking about um, against there as well. Um, again, Ross, just to compliment what you were saying there as well, I I totally agree. With you. I think for for the the I would say the first thirty minutes of the game, I think we we showed an element of control. I think we were a little bit profligate in front of goal. The, the Rabi Matondo chance obviously springs to mind when. He, he creates a great opening. Um, he, he, he's caught in two minds. It was this this one for me, Ross, was funny. It's closer to your end of the ground than mine, but this one for me was quite odd because he he looked like a guy who hasn't scored in quite a run of games, but yet you know he's already got a goal in the score sheet by the time he creates this chance. He's just caught in two minds, right? I think he he looks at being able to try and see whether or not he can play a square ball. There's probably an element where all of us were screaming for him to be able to hit it. He hesitates in the wrong space at the wrong time, and then obviously nothing much comes to it. There was a couple other chances that were involved within, and you know that kind of phase of the the half as well. And I'll be honest with you, and I do want to talk about one guy in particular regarding this as well, because whilst I don't think Aberdeen offered too much, and we weren't out of control or uncomfortable until the Miowski chance. A big part of that was John Suter for me. I thought John Suter was excellent on Tuesday night. He dealt with a lot of the high balls. Positionally, 
always looked exactly where he needed to be, anticipated runs, he anticipated the, the, the higher balls being able to try and come through. Um, he was a big reason as to why Aberdeen probably felt incredibly stifled up until just before halftime. Oh, 100%. And another player who deserves all the praise that's, that's coming their way recently. And I was kind of saying it the other day when, when Balogun went off, normally when, when your managers prefer centre-half partnership, and I think it probably is uh, Golden and Balogun, normally when that gets broken up, you do have a, a sense of dread and, oh, if God was going to happen here. But John Souter has acquitted himself so well, so, so well over the last few games, especially when you think at um, Easter Road when he was asked to play a wee bit more of that, that Goldson role, so so to speak, and I thought he was fantastic in that. He's he's great being the lieutenant in that central defensive partnership, and I think he defi- uh, sorry, he provides a, a level of defensive solidity to, to Goldson too. I think he makes his game better, because you do, you understand that if you have a, a central defensive partner that you trust implicitly, it's going to have your back if you make a mistake. We're going to talk about one in a minute where he just couldn't have. But generally speaking, if you've got somebody there that you trust, it gives you so much confidence to go and play your own natural game. In terms of the Matondo chance, yeah, it's exactly that. And that's, that goes back to what I said about Ross McCausland. There's not a, a single player in that forward line that you wouldn't question their decision-making at some vital times in the pitch. But it's a bizarre one as well because... It almost seemed as though the minute he should have shot, he went to pass. But the time he should have passed, he was thinking about shooting. He kind of got it all mixed up and got it all wrong. But you don't want to go in on him too much because, like I say, he scored a fantastic goal before that and just needs to kind of cut that out of his game. But nobody's perfect in that forward line. So I'm learning to roll with the punches a wee bit now, despite how frustrating that is. And listen, I always like to believe in heart and hand. We're honest, right? I think we can, uh, we, we can be fair. Um, I think, Ross, in terms of what happens, you just mentioned there about some question marks around strikers. And I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on the Miofsky equaliser because, firstly, apart from the fact that I actually quite like Miofsky, I think that there is definitely a great player there. And depending on what happens next, um, I I personally think, including, by the way, I think it's going to be exacerbated by the arrival of Neil Warnock. um, I think he's going down south for for quite a fair bit of cash and stuff as well. a high ball, which is really just a scoop, I think is the best way I can describe it for Aberdeen. They're looking just simply to be able to try and play the ball forward. Miofsky, I think for me, does really, really well here. I don't like saying that, obviously, it's Aberdeen. I don't like seeing goals scored against Rangers, but I do have to take my hat off to the fact that this, this for me, wasn't so much about really poor defending either from Connor Goldson or hesitancy from Jack Butland in terms of being able to try and come out and deal with it. I just think it's good striker play. Just good forward uh, strength, being able to try and get ahead of him. And he knows that actually he doesn't need to do too much with the ball. The key focus here is to be able to get Goldson out of the equation, which he does. Puts a decent, nice wee flick past Jack Butland. And for me, that, that again, like he says, is what he does, he's, you know, very, very good at it. There's some people saying about Rangers do concede similar types of goals to this. Yes, I do understand that argument, but the only thing I would say within this is I, I, I'd i still believe, I don't believe that this is a fundamental failing from here. I know every goal and people listen to this and the stats and tacticians, etc. will say, you know, this point's a failure, we should have dealt with it here and X, Y, and Z. I don't think that there's anything from this ball, by the way, I genuinely don't. I think it's just a, a an aimless punt forward. Um, but Miofsky generates the chance himself and he's able to put it by us. And then at that point, Ross, as I say, it was a bit of a sucker punch for us because we've went into the break. I would imagine that Clement's message probably didn't change because we did... <laughs> I'm not saying that we lost control, right? That's not the same thing. And I know we've we've obviously conceded the equaliser pretty late on. There might be a little bit of that where we maybe just turned the tempo down the dial a little bit. That's fine, right? I, you know, we can't expect these players to go 100 mile an hour from minute one to 90. But I think the manager would have said, look, just step it back up a gear, get yourselves a breather, get some air into your bodies, but also then just start bringing back some of that tempo, a little bit of composure, think about how you can look to be able to try and continue creating chances because another couple will fall for you and you'll be able to put them by you. And somewhat bizarrely, I don't actually think that the manager's message would have changed too much because I did not feel rattled by that equaliser. 
and I think that's a really important thing to note, by the way, and I don't want to, to, to skip by that, because at no point during the halftime break did I hear anyone sitting around me saying, that's it, we're done. We're snookered. And that's because this team now capitalises on chances and it can turn these games back into wins, whereas beforehand it was probably drop points. Is that a word again that we've used so often on Heart and Hand recently, trust? Again, if you go back to the first part of the season, I don't want to see them come harking on about it, but would you have had that level of trust in a lot of these Rangers players to go out and turn that around, or would you have expected them to fold under that level of pressure? Probably the latter, to be honest, but because we have been so consistent in, in the main relentless since Clement took over, you would you did expect us to go out and score again and keep creating chances, and you're right about the tempo of the game. Listen, the best managers in the world talk about this, how you can't expect players to play 100% right through a 90-minute game. It's not possible. They would burn themselves out. It would actually lead to an adverse suboptimal outcome, so you'd kind of want to avoid that. But I did feel, as much as our tempo dropped, Aberdeen were starting to get a wee bit more of a foothold in the game without troubling Jack Butland um, at all, really. Mine's that one that kind of went straight down his throat. So you did kind of feel like they were just creeping into the game a wee bit. I think on the on the goal itself, you're spot on about Miofsky. He's a fantastic player. He's he's been the best performing striker in the league by a distance probably um, this season. Lorden Shankland, I know, is up there as well. But in terms of the, the range of finishes that Miofsky's hitting out with at the minute, um, the goals he's scored and the, the important goals for Aberdeen that he's scored, and obviously the one against Celtic as well at the weekend. Massive, massive player for them. And Neil Warnock's already been touting them for the Premier League, so he's doing his bit to try and get my move down there. I don't think any of us would be surprised if he did move to a lower-end Premier League or, or upper-end Championship side. So definitely a fantastic player. You're maybe being a wee bit generous on goals and, and I think I kind of fall into the camp of being deeply frustrated that I watched this goal in my sleep with, with Rangers. We've conceded that at home to, home to Celtic, we've conceded that away to Aberdeen, we've now conceded that at home to Aberdeen. There is something rotten at the core of our defence when it comes to those long balls um, that just hasn't seemed to have been fixed at any point over the season. And that probably does raise a personnel question in there. I'm not saying drop goals or anything like that before anyone kind of jumps in, but there is a, a question about why you're not learning those lessons. And it can be two things at the same time. It can be good, strong, striking play. And if it's up the other end, I'd be saying the exact same thing, because it is. Miofsky does really well to make the most of that ball, to kind of shrug off Goldson's best he could, and then obviously get the finish past the best goalkeeper in the league. So it's very, very good striking play. But from a defensive point of view, it's such a cheap goal to give away again. And that was the brunt of my frustration at halftime, because as much as I felt there was chances there for us, and there was, you never want to concede that it's a cliche, this and the, the worst, time, worst time to concede in the game. Um, it's just before half time because I think you noticed in the second half, Aberdeen had their tails up a wee bit more. They did look more dangerous, certainly even before we'd went and took the lead again. So it's deeply, deeply frustrating that we do seem to be conceding from those long balls time and time again. We've already been punished for it. This season it's led to drop points. And while I didn't think that was going to happen um, on Tuesday night, there is that wee nagging thing at the back of your mind that this does keep happening. It's a recurring theme this season and it's a real, real worry. Yeah, and, and listen, again, we'll use that word again, it's trust. I fully expect the manager to be able to look at it make whatever changes or improvements that he can with it. And then, as I say, hopefully we will see less and less of it as, as the season goes on. Um, there's no changes at halftime, Ross. And uh, we get to just before the hour mark when um, Rabbi Matondo is replaced by Oscar Cortez and Cyril Dessers is replaced by Fabio Silva. Now, the, the reason as to why I wanted to call this out is because, obviously, we've had a couple of days now to think about it. And... I've watched the game back and I know that there was some um there was probably some criticism aimed towards Cyril Dessers and, and, and what he did on, on Tuesday night. There's also another part of me that thinks he actually did quite well in terms of just leading the line, being able to try and move players out the way a little bit. Um I still stand by where we're at with him now, okay? Because we've 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 seen him score some important goals, he's contributing. Um and I don't believe that it's all about him being able to try and score goals all the time because I still think he can contribute in other ways. I thought he was unlucky in some instances, by the way, and I thought that he looked a bit more assured in both his runs and also some of his touches. I thought he held the ball up very well 
um, at times to be able to try and bring other players coming into it. However, this is our almost in this, and it was obviously a couple of subs about a you know a couple of minutes apart. But this is our summer window intake, right? Um, Fabio Silva obviously uh, off the off the goal mark now. Um, Cortez, I thought looked good uh, when he came out to the weekend. I thought he looked good, you know, on Tuesday night. But the, this is what can happen when you're you're able to bring in some some different options because we know that Silva is going to play a, a vastly different game to Serial Dessers. I'm not going to associate the price tag to him because I don't like being able to try and do things like that. Fabio Silva cannot control how much clubs deem him to be worth. All he can do is be able to try and show a level of consistency. That's all he has to be able to try and do. But there's absolutely zero doubt for me there's there's talent there. And what I also really enjoy about him, Ross, is he he doesn't hide and he works his arse off. And you probably saw, I know I'm skipping a little bit ahead here towards the tail end of the game and the game management to, to the final whistle. But I have to take my hat off to a guy who's here on loan for the next few months of the season and yet he's still willing to not only put in that in like that industrious side of the game, but also put himself into a place where he can get um, you know, a, a few knocks and hits, but he gets up, he gets on with it. He's absolutely committed to what he has to do here. Some very interesting substitutes with the manager, just to wait ten, fifteen minutes or so until this the second half started to calm down and then he just injects that energy again. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Really, really good use of substitutions by the manager that carries on a theme of a good use of substitutions by the manager. And how often have we spoken before in the past about managers who either wait until things really aren't going well, even though we can all see they're not going well, and then change things or don't change at all, or the substitutions are weird and don't make sense. You don't get that impression with Clement whatsoever. More really, really interesting, good use of the subs. And that's why you need to build a squad, because you're going to have games like, like Tuesday night where things just maybe aren't clicking, maybe aren't falling your way, and you need an injection of something different to go and change the game. It's not always going to work just changing like for like. And I say you can't go and ask the same, uh, sorry, different players to fulfil the same roles all the time. That's not what's going to win uh, championships over the course of a league season. Sometimes you do need to try something different, get the defence and the goalkeeper something new to think about when they're starting to tire a wee bit. On the note of Fabio Silva, I was a bit of a Silva sceptic, so to speak, when he came in because I didn't really value him or rate him that highly when he was at Wolves, having watched him a good wee bit. I didn't really understand what his game was about. Wasn't really overly sold on the stats of him coming um, from his from his loan spells either. I was wanting a, a bit more of a prolific out-and-out number nine. So I, I did kind of maybe not give him the fairest hearing when he, when he started. I'll hold my hands up to that, I'll be honest. But he's really doing a lot to make me eat my words now. And I'm very grateful for it because you're absolutely spot on. The, the real worry with a loan player in those battling games is that they can take a step back and say it's not my fight because they, they've not got a a vested interest in the success of the club long-term going past the point of their loan spell, but he did not get that impression from Fabio Silva at all. On Tuesday night, he was really doing the work, putting himself about, running the hard yards, the thankless yards, the yards that don't get in the highlight reel or really don't get the, the thanks, the praise at the time, but absolutely vital to the pressing job that you've been asked to do. Really, really impressed with that level of guttural performance that he put in. Also, his movement on the ball's top drawer. That was always one part of his game that I really highly rated. That was there and self-evident to see. And you can see when he's on the ball, the, the, the spaces that he looks to pass into when he's off the ball, the spaces that he looks to run into. Very, very impressive. He's got a really good footballing brain that I'm enjoying watching. He's still not the out-and-out out clinical number nine that I think a lot of us were wanting. And 
my real concern was in the games like Aberdeen or in a game against a low block, what would he be like? What would he actually offer in value? Well, against a low block, um, against Livingston, he scored a goal, and against the Aberdeen on Tuesday, in a very different type of game, he was fantastic and very integral to us being able to hold out at the end there. So very, very impressed with him. With regards to, to Cortez, impressed with him on Saturday. Again, a, a battling performance on, on Tuesday, not one that you would normally expect from that kind of player, either especially being as new and as fresh into the side as he is. Diamande as well, when, when he came on, by the way, he barely kicked the ball since November, but was putting himself about. I actually asked the manager about that, and he said he's very excited for the two of them to get up to speed because they've been doing a lot in training to try and rush themselves up to that level. So there's a real demand and excitement in the squad now that if you and an understanding that if you go and you do those really rough yards and you are prepared to get hips from time to time and you're prepared to do the rough things to see a game out, then you're gonna get massive, massive rewards at the end of it, whether that be the acclaim from the crowd or hopefully in the future a league title and a winner's medal to show for that. So really impressed with the two of them. Yep, absolutely. Um and to come back to just a, a player that you mentioned uh, beforehand. Uh, a Tom Lawrence fizzer, Ross, an absolutely cracking shot from distance. Helps Rangers regain the lead um, as uh, yeah, again, um, probably again not covering himself in glory with this uh, second one either. Um, spills the ball um, after having to be able to try and make that save. Doesn't make the, the decision to put it by his post. He puts it back into the mixture. A really great finish by Todd Cantwell. Um, it it he probably makes it look quite easy, but it's not. And there's a couple of reasons as to why it's not. Firstly, he has to be able to try and get into that position to be able to be first to react to it. It's not the first time he's done it, but the last time he he, he showed such promise like that scoring against a, 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 a team that we've got history with was obviously his goal in the, the, the old firm game where he, he just manages to, to make an adjustment, a slight warp to his body. He gets his right foot underneath it, hits it at the angle. Again, like I say, a great finish. It's not it, it's not easy to do, but he's complimented by the fact that he is in the position in the first instance to be able to try and get it finished off. Um, Cantwell for me, Ross, I, I, and we spoke about this on Tuesday night in our on our Patreon site. We do the car pod after the game, and I wanted to explicitly mention something which I've seen from Todd Cantwell, where he is obviously uh, chipping in. With, uh, with his goal tally now. Um, he is looking like the player that we know that we've been able to see uh, once he's been able to get back into a, a decent routine and join his football, been able to look at, I think, just, just a slightly more mature approach to his game, which the manager has quite clearly been able to try and instill in him. He did absolutely the right thing by... You know, managing him in such a way, he was taking him off at half time. He 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 wasn't getting you know the full ninety minutes, um, as much time within the, the within the, the space of the field that he likes to be able to dominate in. But playing slightly further forward now, being able to work that that front four probably around him and being able to think about how he can be best utilised here. Um, it, I I just think a, a a strong happy Todd Cantwell can produce some great things for you and a brilliant goal by him again on Tuesday night. Really, really exciting to see him performing to these levels and possibly the player that we all knew that was in there for him and the player that we all wanted to believe in but maybe wasn't hitting those heights at the start of the season. If you think, again, all the chat about him after that old firm at Parkhead was that's another big game and another big moment that's passed Todd Cantwell by him. And there was a lot of valid, valid criticism of Todd Cantwell after that game, but since then, is that five goals and seven? Now, I believe really stepping up with not just any old goal, but really big goals and vital moments. The, the one at Easter Road's a screamer of a goal, but at a really important time in the game to really take that game away and out of Hibs hands going into half time. Scores the winner last night as well. Gets a really, really smart finish away against Livingston on Saturday to make it 3-0 and properly wrap that game up too. So he's providing big moments for Rangers now. And... There's certain players in football and there's certain players within a squad that maybe don't need the most man management. Maybe we'll just be able to kind of turn up to work and all the manager has to do is facilitate them. Todd Cantwell's not that type of player. I think we know that from his career now. He's a he's a player who does need a, a level of strong 
man management and Clement has got it absolutely spot on. It's not all about sometimes just letting a player go and doing what they want and playing the game that they want to play. There has been almost a kind of level of like a, a stern school teacher getting something out of an underperforming um, student in their class. There's been a, an element of needing to show some real tough love to Tom Cantwell, taking them off at half time in games that, okay, on in the statistics, uh, sorry, the statistics that he's performed well in, is still demonstrating to the rest of the squad that if you don't perform to a level I want you to do, nobody's position is safe in this side. And he's got the best out of Todd Cantwell in doing that. I know there's been a lot of chat as well about Todd Cantwell when Clement, uh, sorry, Clement came into the side. What he was doing, playing out on the right, is that his best position? Now we're really seeing the best out of Todd Cantwell. And I think you see the rapport building between him and Clement when he, when he came off last, uh, sorry, on Tuesday. There was a big hug and a big kind of moment between the two of them. Clement was obviously having a, a really encouraging word in his ear. So really, really positive to see. Well, that's uh, that's uh, exactly because you need to keep him within that almost that zone of being able to try and make sure that he's as productive as he can be, but without losing the rag and also not spitting the dummy out. And that, for me, is where we will get the absolute best out of Todd Cantwell because I fully believe he's all in. I think you see it in his body language. I think you see the fact that he's cut out some pieces of his game, which which I'm glad to see the the little nibbles, the little bites, and maybe ended up seeing him get a booking that he probably could have avoided. But um, I'm going to keep this section slightly separate because uh, that obviously was the winner. Um, some nervous moments towards the tail end of the game, but Rangers saw it out. Got the three points that we needed. Um, I I didn't really care, Ross, about the fact that you know it wasn't about us being able to try and get back to the top of the table and goal difference. Winning was all that that mattered. Um, but we could not talk about this game um, without discussing what I, I I think unilaterally from what I've seen in the in the in the post game fallout was probably one of the worst refereeing performances that even within Scottish terms still managed to lower the bar even further in, in how Don Robertson managed that game um, on Tuesday night. Now, you know, obviously, I've got a, 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 an amateur refereeing background. There's elements of this which really, truly wind me up, right? And I'm, I'm sure, you know, everyone's sick of hearing about it at times, either on here or, you know, you guys and chats and all the rest of it. There's a couple of things that, that just blew my mind in terms of how Don Robertson looked to be able to try and manage that game. Um, firstly, he, he, he lost control, as far as I'm concerned, because he didn't start pulling up any kind of form of Aberdeen time-wasting. And I mean that from either the goalkeeper delaying the restart of games, Aberdeen players going down at every possible opportunity, really been able to try and frustrate the crowd. Um, Shinny thinking that he was also refereeing the game as well. But there's big points here. Now, there's... there's Two and a half big points that I want to talk about, okay? The half point for me is the discussion around the red card on um, Duck as soon as he, he hits Goldson. And I I almost understand as to why a yellow has been given there. I know that people were screaming for a red. I know that people were screaming for a VAR review. Um, I can, I can understand, having now seen it back a number of times, as to why it was a yellow. We carried on with the game. That's it. The first main flashpoint for me, though, Ross, is uh, as Rangers are looking to be able to try and recover the ball and 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 go, you know, just just move forwards into the into the Aberdeen half. Duck actually fouls Dujon Sterling, and when I say fouls him, I mean he deliberately tries to grab him to be able to try and stop the foul. He brings Sterling down. Um. But Todd Cantwell recovers the ball and he and he, he goes with it. And so Don Robertson does the right thing. He plays advantage through quite a prolonged phase of play where there's no interruption. Um, everyone, I think, in the stadium was expecting him to be able to go back and potentially show the second yellow, get Duke off the part. Wasn't, it just never materialised. And the only thing that I could think of to be able to explain such a thing was that he had actually forgotten to be able to try and go back and do it. I don't know as to how that's acceptable because there is a VAR team that's there. Um, if they think that a second jail could be there, it could be a dismissal. My understanding is that they can inform the referee of that. But even if they didn't, then he's got assistant referees on either side of the park that can tell him that. 
Then we come to the Sterling red card. And for me, it's just, I don't understand as to how, and this is where I'm an advocate of VAR as a system and as a technology, right? I am, but I, I, will, I will caveat that by saying, if you've got a great system, it's only going to be as good as the people using it. And the reason as to why I've structured this rant, and it is becoming a rant, so I do apologise, listeners, in such a way is because when you've got referees who are making in-the-moment on-field decisions outside of the use of VAR, and they're getting those decisions wrong, whether they've got that, that backup system, your hope is the backup system in terms of a second look, another, you know, another angle, whatever, gives that official the opportunity to, to consider their decision. Yet, yet again, we've now seen VAR used in such a way that there's quite clearly a disconnect between the VAR referee and the referee on the field. Because the VAR referee, Ross, said to Don Robertson, you, you probably want to go and have a look at this again. And he, he saw it again. He saw it from a couple of different angles. Sterling slips. He hits the Aberdeen player on the very front of his toes. I mean, like the tiptoes of him. Now, anyone who's ever played football will know that if you're going in at pace, excessive force, as this was deemed to be, to be able to go in and do someone, you, you don't hit them in the tip of their toes, right? You go in at ankle height, shin height. We've all seen them. But how he can look at that and think, no, I'm going to stand by my original decision and see what happens here. The only thing I can come to of all of those different variables, Ross, is that he saw that Rangers weren't chasing a winner because we were already in front at that point. To me, it just feels like, and I don't know how many times we're categorising this, an easy decision to give against Rangers. That's the only explanation I can come to for it, for him being able to try and mitigate how he comes to that conclusion. Um, I'm sorry for the rant. I apologise. I will put my soapbox away. But the reason as to why I specifically wanted to mention this is because in another dimension where Duke, who shouldn't even have been on the park, scores that free kick at the end, in that dimension, we are recording this podcast saying we've we've dropped two points for a guy who shouldn't even have been on the field. So you, you can say all that when it does happen to you, but you've also got to keep that narrative going in spite of the fact that you've been able to overcome horrendous standards of refereeing and it cost us in the old firm game in terms of a real lack of transparency in terms of using VAR and the SFA hid in terms of being able to try and do that. They didn't want to have the transparency and now this is just another example of horrendous officiating and it has and will again have an influence on who wins the title this season. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, the Duke one's inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable and we were all screaming for it at the time but that's an example of when a referee needs to be brave needs to do their job and it, it wouldn't be easy to send off Duke for a second yellow right in front of Neil Warnock and obviously the the hysteria that would go with daring to send a player off against Rangers obviously that that's just not a thing that can happen in a normal world without some level of, of mental conspiracy being thrown in your face so it'd be a very difficult decision to do but you need to be brave to do it, there's no no reason to to think in that moment that the advantage that you can play by allowing Sterling to run on would override the advantage that uh, Aberdeen going down to ten men would give Rangers. It just doesn't doesn't compute. So you need to be big. You need to be brave. And actually, within the, the laws of the game, a very easy second yellow to give. But in the context of the game, not an easy second yellow to give. But I want you to be brave in that moment and. I've spoken with referees before and said I, I can understand on a human level why they're absolutely terrified to give these kinds of decisions, um, the, any kind of decision that would benefit Rangers, particularly in games against Celtic, but in the wider scope of the league, because nobody on a human level wants to go through the, the level of nonsense and the level of, of vitriol and hysteria that, that follows making those kind of decisions. But it's been pointed out to me time and time again, if you're willing to put yourself in that spotlight, you need to be able to take the heat that comes with it to an extent, um, as long as that doesn't go over the top. So you do need to be big and you do need to be brave and that's an absolutely inexcusable one. The the actual Sterling red card, 
again, I can totally understand and accept humans making mistakes because I got that wrong in the moment and I had a perfect view of it and I turned and I went, hmm, don't know, I, I, I think I'd be wanting the red for that. But the minute I saw a replay, which we had the, obviously the benefit of, no, there's never a red card in a billion years. He's not out of control. Um, if you think of the, the, the escalation of what fills are careless, reckless, dangerous, dangerous obviously being a red, it's not dangerous. It's not a dangerous challenge whatsoever. There was no chance he was going in to, to do the boy or injure him. He wasn't wildly out of control or anything like that. It was a careless challenge. It's a booking um, every single day of the week, but it's nothing more than that. And you're right, when you've got the technology there that allows you to go in and change your mind and gives you a way out of making mistakes, gives you that second chance to be stubborn, to be egotistical, so to speak, and say, no, I'm, I'm, I've watched this back and I'm going to stick with my original decision after more or less just being told you've got it wrong, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there's a lot of chat after the game, particularly from Neil Warnock, saying oh, you don't see that an awful lot. He has a fucking reason for that. Because always, almost always, if you go over to that screen, you've made the wrong decision. And that's the reason why you've been over there. One way or another, there's something that you've missed or you've got wrong as a referee that you are now being given a gift to rectify. So to put Rangers in that position, which they didn't need to be in after you've been given a chance to rectify your mistake, in the context of what that game meant within this title race, is absolutely incredible. And to be let down by referees time and time again, it's getting so fucking exhausting, Cammy, because nobody wants to come on these podcasts, be banging on every other game or every game now. It feels like about a refereeing mistake that could have cost us this, that, and the next thing. That's not that's not why people become football fans. That's not why we go to Rangers games to start giving referees pelters and bang on about that for ten or so minutes in a podcast. That's not what we're about. We don't enjoy doing it. I'm not enjoying this right now. But what I enjoy even less than that is watching referees make arrogant, egotistical decisions when they don't have to, when they've been allowed an opportunity, a very gift-given-by-God opportunity to get their way out of that. I didn't need to send Sterling off yesterday. If this is a pre-VAR world and he gets that wrong in the moment, it's still been wrong, but it's a much more palatable mistake to make rather than when you have that benefit of VAR in the replay and you've been told that you've got that decision incorrect. So again, it's, a, it's another game in Scottish football that's been nearly ruined. We got away with it at the end, but nearly ruined by refereeing standards that are just in the pits. <laughs> How we get away from that, whether it's full-time referees, whether it's a clear-out that's just not going to happen, I, I don't know, but as long as this goes on, it's not going to happen, though, but it's not going to happen. Um, so there's a, a crisis of trying to recruit referees as it is, so I'm not going to find magical ones. And by the way, if you think the referees in the top flight are bad, I'd invite you to go and watch any lower league game. They are every bit as awful, if not worse. So there's no hope there for that to get better. I'm sorry to say, I don't want to seem like a doom-monger, but this is something that we need to live with within the Scottish game, and they have a real almost overzealous influence on title races and massive, massive season-defining decisions in a way that I just don't think they do um, in any other serious football in country, but Scotland isn't one of those. No, I, yeah, you're, there's a few there's a few parts to that which I think is totally fair. And, and to show people that, again, I am absolutely uh, open to the ideas of this, I would make them full-time. I would go and find the money somewhere. I would look for them to be able to try and... and do that and go on a really purposeful, positive recruitment drive for the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, next generation. But again, like you say, um, that was my little rant for referees over. I was just allowed myself the opportunity to be able to kind of jump on that as well. Hope people didn't mind and thank you for your your patience. If you fast forwarded during it, then I, I totally understand it. The good news, Ross, um, is that again, I mean, I've been really busy this week, so I've not had a chance to be able to try and understand who the referee is on Saturday. So if you can give me just two. Ah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so we welcome back. Um, <laughs> we welcome back our old friend Willie Collum. So yeah, Rangers obviously following the old firm game at Parkhead had, had made a lot of noise around the fact that we had to be able to try and get Willie Collum away from our games as much as we possibly can. Um, heaven um, forbid, Ross, but there's a part of me that thinks that whilst we've got a Scott Brown and Stephen Whitaker Air United team coming to Ibrox on Saturday, in a game that Rangers, barring any major catastrophes, will win not only comfortably, but without controversy, 
the SFA have obviously decided this would be a game to be able to try and bring him back in. Um, I hope the reception for him is equally as bad for Willie Collum as it is for Scott Brown on Saturday because this is a guy who is about himself, is about that moment, it's about all of that. But listen, we, we've spoken enough about refs, I don't want to do that any longer. We're into the Scottish Cup, obviously, against uh, against Browns Air United. Um, I am going to say this just now, as much as I'd love to be able to go out there and, and hammer any team that was managed by Scott Brown, I'm also thinking of the wider picture, and I think it gives us an opportunity to give some players a breather. Um, we, we mentioned McCausland already, there's quite a few of them, that if it would be possible, I would like us to be able to just try and take some take some time out just to be able to try and give them a little bit of a rest because the hope is that uh, by this time next week, we're going to be top of the table. So keen to get your thoughts on how we should approach it and what, what you think that the, 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 the best way to be able to try and make sure it's as effortless as we can make it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It comes back a wee bit to the old joke about if you played an old firm as a fan, you'd be sent off within the first five seconds. And that's kind of the way you need to treat going up against a side that's managed by Scott Brown. Of course you want to go out and you absolutely want to run that team into the ground and give him a real watch for it. Ibrooks and I know he's going to get a very, very warm reception despite the fact he was talking about his, his love for Rangers in the press this week. I don't know what he's playing at. Not overly interested in the circus that goes around with that. I'm interested in Rangers progressing into the next round of the Scottish Cup and furthering our pursuit of a treble, which again just seems incredible to say, but that's a position we've uh, found ourselves in by our own grit and determination, so we need to continue that. Like I said, that Ross McCausland does deserve that that breather from his side. It wouldn't be dropping him, it would be giving him a rest and rotating the squad, which is what it's there for. So you'd like to see Scott Wright come in there and be tempted to start. Cortes, um, I think he's deserved it. I think he's earned it from his performances that he's given us coming off the bench. So more than happy to see that. A wee bit of chat around should Tav start. Um, I could definitely see the argument for dropping him. Uh, again, I wouldn't really be dropping him, we'd be resting him, but definitely giving him a, a breather against there. He, but... he doesn't need, but he doesn't need to play Ross. That's that's my <laughs> argument for it. He doesn't need to play. So give him that chance. You can't rest everybody. So I'd be more inclined to hopefully give him the first 45 and then take him off the second 45. I understand completely the argument about he doesn't have to play. He probably doesn't, right? You're you're absolutely spot on. But if you're going to give some of those fringe players a a run out or some of the new players a run out, there does need to be an element of consistent leadership in there. That's not to say that I I don't think Sterling would acquit himself well right back at all. Obviously not. Um, He's acquitted himself well wherever he's played in the Rangers jersey. But you do still want a wee bit of consistency because, again, Robbie McCrory will probably come into the side too. So there's three pretty major changes. Um, Dessers, I imagine, would probably keep his place up top. We'll be looking to give Diamandi more minutes as well. Maybe Ryan Jack coming back in. So there's a fair bit of rotation going on. Even Leon King might get a wee nod on Saturday. I don't know. Obviously, you want to keep the team as strong as you possibly can while rotating that squad, but there does need to be an element of consistency in there. So I would be more surprised if Tab doesn't start and maybe does get a wee... Uh, sorry, why? I'd be more surprised if Tab doesn't... Uh, doesn't not start on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think, as I say, it's a good opportunity for us to be able to try and just bring in uh, some players on the on the fringe, and you know, Diamandi, I think you know could be uh, an interesting option in terms of just being able to try and get him some game time. Let's use it like the exercise that it should be and stuff as well. So if we can come out of it, really as routine as you can make it Rangers as routine as you can make it if it's 4-0 by half time trust me Ross and I and I'm fairly sure the entire stadium will not be complaining Ross um, that'll do us for this week on Extra it's been a great talk with you I hope everyone's enjoyed it um, thank you so much for coming on it, it means a lot to be able to have a chat with you about all of these kind of things and it's just so encouraging to be able to you know week on week on week on 
we're just making sure that we're, we're we're keeping our own in and that in actual fact we're seeing what we were looking for which is everything from everyone relentless consistency mate i'll keep banging on about it relentless consistency but thank you very much for having me on i've thoroughly enjoyed this thank you to our show sponsor zenith coins please head on over to zenithcoins.com thank you to our executive producers in london Miley and paul myers um, if you'd like to hear more uh, from ross myself and a whole gang um, of absolutely avid Rangers fans, please head on over to our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, you can join an ever-growing community um, of Rangers fans and all of their opinions, all of the great shows and content that we have, not just for what's happening at the moment, but a really massive archive of shows that will really cover almost every facet of things Rangers-related and much, much further than that. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you again to Ross as well. David will be back with you on Monday to unpack the Air United game, and I'll be back the following week. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Stay safe. We'll speak to you again next uh, next Monday. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.